theirs that he will have access to their hot boob pics. Rip, I want other people to see my boobs is the point. Now you're just confusing him. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 221 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. In base three, that's not very many. Uh, it's not. What is it? It's, uh, 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 how does it's that two, work? Two, one. It's one plus four plus, is that how that works? Seven? Or is it one plus three plus nine? No, it's one plus three plus six. I, I'm I'm no, gonna stand pow- by powers it being two hundred and twenty one. Shit. <laughs> All right. So base conversion. No, seriously. How does this work? Two to it's one. Pa- but- it's powers of three. So it's yeah, it's, it's two to it's, it's, it's three to the zero. Three to three to the zero. Three to the oneth. Three to the tooth. Right. So it's right. yeah. And so. Oh, you said okay. The value. So it's one plus one plus two times three plus two times nine. Right. Two times nine. Two two one. Yeah. So it's eighteen. It's twenty one. Twenty two. Two two one in base three is twenty two in decimal. That's what we've solved. That sounds right. I say as though I know anything about math. Okay. So the other way to do this is three to the third is uh, twenty. Seven, and this is two less than that, so it should be twenty-five. Does that make sense? So it should be eighteen plus uh, twenty-five. Yes. So it's eighteen. Eighteen plus six plus one. Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. Yeah, guys, we've solved it. We have solved. This is episode twenty-five of Video Games Hot Dog. We have only been doing this for half a year, which explains why we're so fucking bad at it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> why we just spent that amount of time doing, doing some base that conversion boring math. shit. What have you been up to, guys? Uh, we went to Indicade down in uh, L.A. Yeah, but this is the non-video game pre-question well, I did a lot of non-video games things. Oh, what'd you do there? that wasn't a video game? I, I went to a room escape. Oh, yeah. I went with you. It was, it was pretty spoopy. Animator Wes fished a condom out of a toilet full of oatmeal. Yeah, great. That was par- that was part of the room escape. That's okay, really, that's literally was, a thing that happened. I was about to ask. We found a used condom just on the floor, and I was like, "That is a weird piece of atmosphere." Yep, for them to have in this like serial killer dungeon. But yep. I really think it was just left over from like they from had not prior, cleaned it up from the, the previous, previous solve. Teen, yeah, yeah, because part of what they do is they put a UV flashlight in a condom. We're not really supposed oh, to that- talk about the details. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, we should probably excise that whole thing. They hide an object in a condom and put it in a toilet filled with oatmeal, and it's great. An object in a toilet full of substance. I mean, we should just say, we should just not <laughs> say object, the name of the they, room escape. They put an object uh, inside a container and put that in another container, another which container. is filled with a substance. Yes. yes. Okay, good. Yeah, we don't want to get in trouble. I didn't actually know what had, what had been fished out, so mm-hmm. that's interesting. That makes That makes more sense. That's really important. That was an important uh, thing to have done. That's really gross. Mm-hmm. Wow. He did it in the dark. Oh, God. So gross. So They're so wrong in so many ways. Wes is a badass. Yeah. <laughs> he made some cool animations of a man punching a cow. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Was that also for the room escape? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> it was one of the yeah. puzzles in the room escape you had to solve by doing a bunch of uh, skeletal animation. Freelance animation work. Puppet yeah. 2D. For our game. Weird. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Also, we designed this room escape, and it was mostly just to make it so Wes had to fish around in a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Wes! Hi! Uh, what did you What did you do that wasn't video games at Indiecade, Jim Decade? I, I hid in a room away from people as much as I could. Oh, yeah? Nice. That was pretty good. Yeah, so you, that's usually my favorite part of a con. Yeah. I feel like it would have been really effective to just stay home. Yeah, um... I had already decided to go. Okay. And you can't change your mind about those things. Uh, I mean, it It was one <laughs> of those things where, like, I had I had just done IgG the previous weekend. Right. And, and so I knew I wouldn't... charged your batteries yet? Yeah. I, 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 at this point, I have not had a day to myself in probably three weeks. So, oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> okay. Um, But... But you belong to the internet. That's true. I do now. And that's, that's why I went to the IgG too. Cause like, wait, no, to, to indicate because they're my people. They are your people. I've got to, I've got to go say hi. And also we were, me and Justin were doing a thing. Oh yeah. That I can't talk about. Because you have an NDA. Uh huh. That's cool. An NDA? An NDK. An NDA. An A non-disclosure agreement festival. I went to uh, I went to the ocean and stared at the ocean for like an hour at night. It was really pretty hmm. and contemplative. That, that sounds nice, except there are other, probably other people doing it. There are, but you just you don't they don't really bother you it's because night, it's so you can't see them. It's, oh, it's okay. it is dark and the ocean is pretty loud, and so it just wasn't a big deal. So yeah. it's easier to see. Yeah, yes. I went. It's, to, just, it's garish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I went to Glitch City, which is a a co working space. That um, some L.A. indie devs are running. Yeah, Brendan Chung works there. I think Brendan Chung runs runs Brendan Chung runs Brendan runs Chung it. Runs yeah. it. Chung rung. Chung, I cannot talk. Everybody Chung rung tonight. Ding dong. It's the candy corn I just had. It's gumming up the works. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have put brain. it uh-huh. in the works. Well, also in my larynx. You could just swallow it the rest of the way and see if that helps. <laughs> All right, let's let's. <clears throat> I I can't I I was just like trying to make an exaggerating swall exaggerated swallowing sound on the Boop. podcast. Boop. But there you go. Thank you. Okay, now now do it while I'm not talking. So it sounds like I did it. That much so much better now, guys. Balloon. <laughs> do you, you don't separate out the uh, our audio channels into like discrete areas, right? Zach? No, I don't. I don't like stereify it. Okay. I guess that's probably better, right? Like you don't. You don't really want to have a sense of where people are sitting in your, like, microphone. No, I think that would drive you really crazy if you did stereo separation in a podcast. It wouldn't if there was a video feed, right? Like, you you would want to get the audio from where they're coming from in the room, maybe? I've heard podcasts do it, and it didn't. It doesn't bother me, but it also doesn't really add anything. Yeah. Okay. What if you did and it like it, Abigail Bell it, of Kilronan, where... It makes the file twice as big. One guy's voice just wobbled back and forth four or five times a second between the left and right channels. Uh. <laughs> Wait, what's your reference for that? The Magnetic Field song, Abigail Bell oh, okay. of Kilronan, yeah. on M- 69 Love music. Songs, which you would... I, I really like that song. 
and I'm sad that I can't ever listen to it on headphones because like <laughs> I listened to it on headphones for the first time six months ago, discovered that feature of it, and it is nauseating. There has got to be, you can probably find a, a filter pretty easily to de-stereo it, this, uh, de-stereo that song. Oh, you know, I bet you could just use a little, like a little converter from a eighth inch stereo to mono. Oh, yeah. Yep. Would that put it in both ears on an iPhone headset? It should. Yeah. Well, guys, we've solved it. So I can play it over our headphones right now. If, if you I want. start doing this annoying thing, yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. I want you guys to experience this. I've I've got only You've one only got ear. One ear in. I only have one as well. Well, oh, Riff, I don't know if Riff can hear it because he, you you. It's not I, doing it. Is it? This is good because we're having to describe a song that the audience can't hear. Yeah, yeah, I hear it in mono. I imagine. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a clip of it. I'm going to edit a clip of it into the. Okay. I imagine it as being like the audio version of the dude shaking his head back and forth real fast from Jacob's ladder. Is it sure? Yeah. Is it possible that uh, your headphones are broken <laughs> and that that song actually works fine? Mm-hmm. I mean, it. Oh, I see. I thought you were like seeing these headphones. I, I'm pretty sure, like, we have like five stages of connector between this headphone uh-huh. and the audio. That is the problem. It's this is this stereo signal is probably being just split into a bunch of mono signals. Yeah. Okay. So that's this not podcast is all like us solving mono. technical problems. Yeah. It's great. Converting two to one from base three mm-hmm. to base 10. Yeah. It's 25. Yeah, Figuring out whether Kevin can play Abigail bell of Kilronan on his phone and whether it will nauseate us or just sound normal. Yeah. So it, do you have any like tech support style puzzles. emails to read? <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, F uh, F writes in with a description of uh, the Scottie Pippen Slam City FMV game. He said it was a game from uh, Sega CD. You were a terribly animated 2D Pippin that can move left to right, think Punch-Out, that played against an FMV bodybuilder. When you went in for a dunk, the game removed the 2D Pippin and just switched to an FMV video of you making a dunk. That was the whole game. What is it? Wait, what, when you say Pippin, does that mean something? Scotty Pippin. He was a basketball oh, player. Oh, oh the, play, the person Pippin. I thought Pippin was just some sort of general noun that I no. didn't have a reference for. <laughs> no, yeah. he's like, you're Pippin. Yeah, the, the, the adopted son of Charlemagne. Okay. It's like, the you know, the people who uh, are responsible for putting the dots on dominoes. The Pippers. Oh, yeah, sure. What they're doing day to day is Pippin. Yeah. Um, sure for Peregrine. They're also Falconers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so if you wanted to improve the animation in that game... Um, I have some advice for what you would do on in a modern pipeline, but that sounds a like a pip line. A pip, but it, that sounds like an old game. I don't know how you improve animation in those aside from just drawing more frames. I don't know when uh, Scotty Pippen was a going concern basketball wise. When was Sega CD? Like late nineties, eh, mid nineties, I think. Okay, I don't. F- I don't remember ever hearing about Scotty Pippen. Like, what was where? Where did Scotty Pippen play? I remember Scotty Pippen being his his name being shouted on NBA Jam, maybe. So I don't know. Did he I'm gonna say play he played for the computer Phoenix games? Suns in 1993. Wow. Now let's look this up. So we did have some technical support. We did have some boring bullshit to do as a result of F's <laughs> uh, listeners' mail. One of the radio stations in GTA 2 used the phrase. One of the DJs used the phrase "tripping like Scotty Pippen." Huh. Hmm. That was like okay. He played for the Bulls. Ninety-five to ninety-six is when he was. But the game was set in like twenty forty, so 
Like, that's a really old callback. I think I probably did not interact with sports, like professional sports, in basically any way from like 94 to like 98. So that does not surprise me that I'm just not aware of this person. Does MIT have some sort of anti-sports Faraday cage? No. I mean, people play sports, but it's I, like I just I all, didn't watch any TV and I didn't read the news really. Are they all just like nerd sports like hacky sack? Uh, there's That's more of a hippie ultimate sport. frisbee. There That's is definitely some ultimate frisbee sport. that happens. Uh, what are ner- I feel like nerd sports are like chess and Mornington uh, Crescent fris- frisbee, frisbee golf that's also for hippies mm. uh, yeah. maybe the like frisbee most of the nerds I know are also hippies. hippies hmm there's there there is like a nerd hippie crossover what about devil sticks mm. uh, what about the sport of uh, sitting in a circle on a grassy lawn smoking hash juggling is also an, for is, hippies is a nerd sport no it's a nerd sport yeah that's if you said like nerd. stage magic, I would say that's a nerd sport. Unicycle riding, yeah, it's a good crossover. <laughs> uh, F also writes, "You guys should most definitely start a Patreon for video games, hot dog. This seems to be one of the only podcasts I listen to weekly that doesn't already have one set up. I usually just throw a twenty dollar bill in the trash when I listen." <laughs> <laughs> wow! So if F if F would would back us at eighty bucks a month, that's a good uh, that's some good seed capital. That's yeah. true. We can buy a lot of seeds. We really could, and then we could uh, plant. <laughs> so the we could uh, plant. the the like primary problem that we have is that uh, we don't have a video. And I went back and reread the script that you had written for a video like ages ago, and it was pretty good. And so yeah, well, when I wrote it and I showed it to you guys, you were all like, "This is dumb." Does Patreon I don't require do this. a video? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be video, I guess. We could just record over a black screen yeah, with some or like My, my problem with the with the script was that it was none, scripted. none of us are good actors, and... You weren't in it because it was written before you were on the show. <laughs> that, no, that's fine. Uh, I, the problem is that the good part about the show is us talking... And like, I if the video is debatable. of us talking poorly, then I don't think that we would be talking poorly, though. I mean, I think that I think it'd be okay. Do you think we? I think we should think just, we would just take this like minute of podcast, and this is our commercial. Put it over oh, the black yeah. screen. Yeah, that's this is really effective. This is the so reason that we start have start with the joke this. about burning a twenty dollar bill every time. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, lead lead with the. Lead with the the clincher. L E A D or L E D E. I I don't know. What does clincher mean? <laughs> I'm not even sure. Clutch. Ryan C. Clutch is a writes, word. A question for Riff and maybe Jim. Have you ever played any of the Monster Hunter series? Monster Hunter Four Ultimate for the 3DS seems right up Riff's alley, having been yeah, mm-hmm. having been compared to the Dark Souls series in difficulty and style. Hence my Jim edition. <laughs> I played a bit of it. Um, I did not. It, I really enjoyed it at the beginning, but it becomes really samey really quick, and, mm. and it, uh, I lost interest. Yeah, I, it's I, I've never played it. It's apparently a series of boss fights, basically. Yeah, basically, it's it's you've got um, there are I a like num- Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, there are a lot of there's there's a number of different environments and uh, new environments are unlocked as you proceed down the actual storyline, and. Each environment has maybe a dozen 
rooms, and they're not really rooms because it's outdoors, but, you know, sections of this place. And different animals and monsters appear in the different locations, and uh, most of them are just small monsters that you can kill fairly easily, but the the point of going out on your mission is that you have a quest to kill one particular large boss-like monster and killing all the different various sizes of monsters and also picking fruit off of the ground and stuff gives you all the crafting ingredients you need to make new armor. And your armor and equipment is 100% of your stats. You don't have any base stats that level up or anything. And it's 100% fruit? Uh, yeah, fruit and rocks and parts okay. of monsters. <laughs> so all of your armor is made out of fruit and rocks? Made out of and like fruity fruit, pebbles? Fruit and rocks and leather, basically. What about yeah. like... <clears throat> so fruit, the, leather, and fruity pebbles. Yes. <laughs> would the like pits of, of fruit be particularly strong because they're kind of like rocks inside oh, fruit? Yeah. They'd go so in your, like those, those would yeah. go into your pits yeah. and they protect your <laughs> pits. They make them smell nice right. and protect them from claw attacks. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, there are, it's, it's kind of interesting every time you get to see a new monster because they're, they're all a little bit different. Like there, there are some general broad categories of monster that fight in different ways, but they sort of get replicated throughout the game with not a lot of difference between them, it seems like. And even... So, insofar as the part of the earlier parts of the game that I played, the differences between the most different boss monsters that I fought were not different enough to make it seem like I was doing something particularly new. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that I really liked about both Dark Souls and Shadow of the Colossus is that, and this is going to sound weird to say about Dark Souls because it, it kills you all the time, you have to go back to the bonfires that they are both really respect respectful of your time mm -hmm. as that they both uh they don't have any filler content in them i would uh, i would feel a little bad saying that monster hunter is entirely filler content <laughs> uh-huh but or that any video game is yeah it's it's entirely grinding it is almost nothing but grinding because your goal is to get the parts you need, which which are percentage drops from monsters that you kill, to get the next suit of armor, to give you better stats and resistances to kill to the next monster. To upgrade your skateboard so you can do more grinding tricks. Yeah, so you can tricks. do more grinding tricks. And I mean, it's no worse than playing another game of Domino Drop, right? Like, it's yeah. fine for games yeah, to be grindy. I mean, it's, it's derided, but it's not, like, no, evil. No, I, it's like, if, if that's what you're into, then you're going to enjoy yeah, it, right? Yeah, right. If, you're, if you are down for killing the same monster repeatedly forever, then this is a very yeah. good implementation of that. Remember that time that I killed all those scorpions in Tenaris to make an entire suit oh, yeah, out of yeah. their bodies? And by the time that I did it, they had leveled me up to the point where that mm -hmm. suit was no longer good armor for me? If you if you were playing now, though, you could at least use that suit of armor to make your new armor look like that. That's true. If you if it was cool looking. If it I was guess cool. it did make you look like a scorpion. It was okay. I did look kind of like a scorpion with a big beard. Don't all scorpions have big beards? You're thinking of God. Oh, is God also visible under a black light? 
Well, yeah. Can you kill him with a, with a chisel? <laughs> yes. Does he ask turtles for rides across rivers? Yes, you can by carving a false idol, Riff. In fact, you might argue that's the only way to kill God is with a chisel. Whoa. That got, that got deep. deep. Yeah. <laughs> Hacker Fake Man writes, Hey, Zach, I'm a hacker that's been using your account ID to purchase my lunch for several weeks. Just want to thank you for not caring about inconvenient security requirements. Hey, you know what? Knock yourself out. <laughs> Do you think that's true? Probably not. I mean, one thing that happened is my debit card stopped working like a week ago, and I had to get another one. Yeah, it's how, old hacker, is this, how old it's is this listener, man? Fake man. Uh, October, oh, this is from two weeks ago. Ah, okay. <laughs> you guys cut out there for a second. I would rather... We, we got hacked. Really. I would rather <laughs> buy someone lunch every day than have to deal with like getting a new credit card. How about, would you let, rather buy them a car every day? No, that wouldn't happen. I would notice that. You would notice a car? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have many times noticed a car. You've, I think you've also noticed lunch, though. Mm, okay. <laughs> Do you remember how many other people were eating lunch in the restaurant that we ate lunch in today? Uh, when we got there or when we left? All, at all times. Uh, when we arrived, there were eight other people eating lunch, and when we left, there were four. How confident are you in those estimates? Pretty confident. Yeah. How Not many in base right. three? <laughs> they were all base three. Whoa. I don't know what that deep. means. <laughs> Have you guys played any games? I played like... <laughs> Two games, plus a game that we've talked about already that I hadn't played yet. Okay. What Would are they, Would you like me to talk about one or more <laughs> of them? Riff, why don't you talk about all of them? <laughs> well, let's see. The one... Um, let me pull it up here so I can remember what it was called. The one that I played that we've already talked about was uh, The Sequence, which is pretty neat. The iOS... Uh, Programmer, programmy thing. Oh yeah, game. It got what hard. You, what it did got you think? Complex. It's it's neat. Um, I it's uh, I like the little tactileness of it and watching the little things shift around and flip over and stuff. Yeah, it, it, I, uh, I, it gets really complex. Yeah, I was I felt very satisfied when I completed it, yeah. and then it kind of just stops. <laughs> mm. I don't I don't know. I got to a point like. 10 or 12 puzzles in where I just don't think I'm ever going to be able to solve. Is it, it, it probably is where you're starting to have, have to use functions on functions. Mm, maybe. And, and that's a thing that you don't like to do. Yeah. So. I so. definitely had to do that once. It's just a bunch of things where you're trying to like rotate pieces through. Uh, yeah. I'm just, yeah. yeah. I'll pull it out, try it a couple times. Just give up. Yeah, like the I I think the last one I solved was the one where you have to make a train car go back and forth with not enough polarity reversers or something. But yeah, it's weird. It's cool. Uh yeah, it's like a limited a pretty limited number of verbs and it the puzzle design is really Yeah, it's satisfying. like li limited number of verbs but they're not specific verbs, so they right. they join up against each other in interesting ways that i feel really really smart when i beat a level not using all the pieces oh i don't think i've managed to do that even once yet it happened it only happened a couple of times but it was pretty it was pretty satisfying hmm. 
What else? I also played a little bit of two different uh, uh, weird old Nintendo DS games. Uh, I played some of um, uh, freshly picked Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land. Okay. Which is uh, <laughs> uh, sort of a, a spinoff uh, starring uh, Tingle from the uh, Legend of Zelda games. Um, it is, it's sort of an exploration of greed. <laughs> the, the, the concept, the main concept of the game is that you're, you're collecting rupees, the currency, and not only do you need to collect as many as you can because you're using them not only for all currency things, like everything, everything costs money including just like asking people for information or asking for a quest or unlocking the next uh, continent costs money. And your money is also your hit points. Uh, so the, you base, you mostly acquire money by killing monsters, which drop ingredients which you can make into things and then sell to shopkeepers. And when you sell stuff in a shop, it's, it's a set price. But whenever you buy anything, or like if you're, if you're trying to get information out of a dude, um, they, they don't have a set price. They say, how much are you going to give me? And you have to type in an, a number and they'll either say, okay, that's enough. I'll take it. Or they'll say, nope. And then they'll take it anyway. Uh, so you, what? Yeah. So you have to you have to estimate how much you think this person wants, and sort of play you know the the Price is Right against them to the, but they take the money anyway. They that's, take the money. That's anyway. not how commerce works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I like the idea. Like that's one way for the the game to have make the negotiation have some bite to mm -hmm. it because because other, otherwise if it, if it just kept count then you could just go well I'll give you five well I'll give you five well I'll give you five until until it worked or right. or if it was up. if you're just trying to find the number you just like increase by one every time or you right. just but right. what if they just didn't wouldn't let you buy the thing like they're just like well no. if it's a thing that you have to get eventually then you, you need to eventually be able to buy it well, they could design so, yeah, a game so where you didn't have to get anything. You could fuck yourself out of things by not offering enough money. Yeah. Like you can in the real world. <laughs> like every once in a while when I go to buy lunch, I'm like, I will give you $4 of this guy's money using his stolen credit card <laughs> credentials. And they say, that is not enough for That's the sandwich. not enough. And then the you, sandwich sir, guy bicycles are 86. away. Yeah. Uh, you wanted 86 for the sandwich? <laughs> I also, I only buy uh, sandwiches from guys on bicycles. <laughs> And it also, you can screw yourself, actually screw yourself out of some stuff with the system because it also works for quest rewards. When you, when you finish a side quest or something, sometimes somebody says, Hey, I'll give you a reward. How much do you want? And if you ask for too much, you just don't get anything. I like that. How do you know what ballpark to That's the problem. With? That's where it kind of falls down for me because you really don't have any information or grasp 
I feel. I mean, maybe I'm just not smart in economics, but it feels like I don't have any information to base what a thing is worth on or how much, how greedy the person I'm talking to is. So it's really just I'm, guessing. So you've, how long have you played this game for? Um, not, 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 not hugely long. Maybe, maybe it is something that you figure out as you go. I'm, I feel like I'm it would like have to be. the second continent is where I am. But I'll, unless it was like a super realistic game with like realistic situations and like yeah yeah also like I mean a known I feel like inflation. the penalty is probably not huge like if you get something wrong and spend twice as much money as you should have it just means you have to cook three more potions to sell than you otherwise would have so it's probably not that big a deal. But what's killing the enemies like? Is it is it like a Zelda game? No, it's a little bit weird. It's you. You run up to an enemy and, like, bump into it, and it makes, like, a little cartoon fighting cloud of, of you and the enemy sort of rolling around in the dust. And one, and that will happen for a few seconds during which your, your hit point slash money is drained based on the, the strength of the monster. And you can still, you can move the cloud. While it's happening, and if you get if you run the cloud onto another monster, that monster will also join in the fight, which causes you more damage. But the more monsters you have in the cloud when you eventually win, the more drops you get off of them. It's a risk reward yeah, thing. Yeah, so it's another. It risk sounds like the whole game thing. is based around that sort of. Yep. That sort of thing. That's great. Yeah. It's, but do you just have equipment that makes it more like that makes the enemy's hit points go down faster than yours? I mean, you it, don't like, get equipment, but you can hire bodyguards. But the amount that you have to pay them is, of course, negotiable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And also you have to you have to keep uh, healing potions and stuff in stock for them. Because if they because de they will stay with you as long as they are alive, but if they die, then they leave, and you will have to renegotiate the contract. That's true of basically everyone. Yeah, basically everyone. Life. When yeah. they die, well, you have to renegotiate. This game is super realistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's neat. Um, my like my aversion to accidentally spending three times as much as I should have for a thing grates in my brain a little too much for me to enjoy it as it's intended. I think. Do you yeah. find out how much you should have spent on something? No, but there can you are, look it up on a wiki. You can look it up on a wiki. Yeah. I was just going to say that seems like the, the fastest the way minimum, to ruin that game. Yeah, The minimum prices are all available on, on the internet. And it's just a, it's just a flat number. There's yeah. no, there's no math or, or randomness or right variables involved yeah it's it's like the the when the lady offers you a reward for finding her daughter's doll the most you can get out of her is 60 i've never wow. played it but one thing i've heard about rusty's real deal baseball is that um you can negotiate the price of the dlc huh so like there's a character in there who will like you can talk him down from however much it is to like a third of the price, but he like gives you a hard time about how this is like his wife is going to kill him and you're <laughs> ruining his home life and just the, the sob story. So you have to like 
deal with like his emotional trauma, but you can pay much less than you normally would of your own real money. It's not like a in-game thing. Oh, weird. That is kind of a fascinating system. Yeah. And, and this could be something that I, <laughs> I made up in my head from someone's vague description, but, um, I like it enough that I just decided to share it and include it in Fog Fractions too. <laughs> That's a good idea. Maybe that was Frog Fractions too. Yeah. What's the other game, Riff? I was going to say incorporating incorporating real world gambling for cash. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a way to monetize skill based. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that would be tricky legally, I think. Well, no, if it's a skill based game, right? Because like, uh, what's the what's that? Jason Rohrer. Jason Rohrer game, yeah. Well, I was, yeah. Oh, is that true? Is that a skill skill based games or? Yeah, there's nothing random about it. Yep. No, no. I mean, that's, is that true about the law? Yes, skill based games. You're allowed to 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 exchange money based on the outcome. I remember my huh. dad when he was the sheriff. There was some baseball themed pinball machine at the custard stand. It was actually the ice cream roundup, but it used to be called the custard uh. stand, which is what my grandma referred to it as, and so that's what it was to, to us. Um, and they called the police department asking if it was okay for them to do a tournament, and I just remember him saying, is it a game of skill rather than a game of chance? And they said yes, and he was like, no, it's okay then. And huh. that, like, encountering that weird legal distinction, specifically around pinball, hmm. In the early 80s. Wow, he he was, like, at the forefront of that, because uh, that was, like, 1980 that it was yeah. the big New York case came down or whatever. And I, like, I can't, I mean, I guess he was probably aware of that. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I guess he, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he knew all the laws, yeah. right? And so it was like, <laughs> are we allowed to do a thing here? It was like, well, yeah, as long as it's a game of skill, yeah, you can do a turn, like, a tournament where people buy in and you, pat, you know. That's cool. Like, hmm. Yeah, there was... What was your other game, Riff? Sorry, I uh, diverged. Other game I played was a, a Japanese import DS game uh, called Zombie Daisuke, which I found because I went I went looking for a list on the internet of like weird Japanese games that never got Western releases but were not too difficult to figure out if you couldn't speak Japanese, and this was a highly recommended one. It is um, the the plot of the game is that this little farming community, they all get killed by bandits and then come back as zombies to get their revenge. And you're, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a God game. You've got a a top down view from a distance. So you can see your crowd of zombies milling around and you can direct them to move around by circling them and drawing a line with the stylus. And the goal of each level is to, kill all the living people in that area of town and also pick up all the presents that are on the ground. And the presents all contain seeds, which the zombies then take back to their farm and plant. And they grow into things like hamburgers and bicycles, which the zombies then eat to become more powerful. And that's the, the gameplay loop is, is going through these missions where you're killing people and, picking seeds and then going stealing their bicycle seeds yes stealing their bicycle seeds and then going back to the farm and planting and eating the bicycles do the zombies grow bicycle parts out of them uh i have how they become more powerful i i i have not um 
my first crop has not uh, fruited yet. <laughs> But so I'm I'm going by what I, descriptions I read on the uh, on the internet. Did you guys ever have one of those sex dreams where you uh, eat part of a motorcycle and then you kind of turn into a motorcycle? Huh? Nope. No. Is that a time. sex dream? Plus <laughs> eh, <was> for me. <laughs> Did you have sex with a motorcycle or a dragon? Did you turn into a '57 Chevy? Was there a guy who ate an entire car? I think over Ooh. the course of like a year. Right. Yeah. And then there was that documentary about that guy who had sex with a car. Uh, was there? I mean, no. <laughs> that was also your dream, Zach. Is, is this the same kind of documentary that, that you talk about watching <laughs> right. on the internet? <laughs> have, have you guys played any games? I, well, I went to Indicade. Yeah, yeah. what'd you play at yeah. Indicade, Jim? Almost nothing, but there were cool games that I want to talk about. Do it. Yeah. There is a game I saw called Tribal and Error. Yeah, that's like a one of those like doesn't have actual language in it, sort of. Yeah, it's a game where you learn a language. So oh, this is cool. like I've been I've been like telling people to go play the edifice for years. They can play this game instead, and it might be as good. Um it's you you play a a, a robot which looks like a reel to reel tape recorder you go back in time and you meet cavemen and you talk to them and you learn their language um and the way this works is they will like symbols will appear above their heads indicating that they have said something and then a corresponding animation will clue you into what it means and then you can use those symbols in various combinations back at them oh, that, and that sounds fascinating yeah, you can learn, like, the words for rub and wood, and you can tell them to rub wood. <laughs> <laughs> Throw well, rock. Yeah. Yep. Um, and... Does rub wood teach them to, like, build fires? It teaches them to jerk off. Um, yes. You really have to teach them that, like, they really needed a robot to come back in time and teach them that? <laughs> this is how you become their god. Oh, the robot brought the porn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Which was photographs can, of people eating and then turning into motorcycles. Right. Yeah, you can teach them to make fire, and, like, later on you hunt a mammoth, I think. And it's this is like... Do a, you eat part of the mammoth and then become part mammoth? I hope so. This is what I would do if I were a reel-to-reel -reel robot in the distant past. Rusty's reel-to-reel -reel robot deal baseball. <laughs> I talked to both of these guys and asked them if they'd played the edifice, and they hadn't heard of it. Wow. So I tweeted at them about it later and they didn't respond i think uh, also had they played the gostak whose creator was in the building with them i did not ask them at that. the time maybe they don't actually know how to read and so you tweeted oh, them was useless. this was a game about their own insecurities about not knowing language yeah other than c sharp or whatever they wrote it in. and i played a game um i forget what it was called but it was by the person who made the the roguelike powder um, and it was a seven day roguelike where when an enemy, when it spawns an enemy, it asks you what kind of enemy it should be and asks you questions about the enemy. Basically, like instead of designing any items or creatures, the, uh, the game, the, the, the game makes the player do that. Okay. And then you can, you can save your world and oh, that's disappointing, but. And. I'm Riff. 
Uh, Sorry, we're having some uh, yeah, we, technical difficulties. We, uh, yeah, we lost some podcast there. I believe I was talking about how the roguelike that I couldn't remember the name of was vaguely disappointing in that it won't have a way to share the world you create with other people. Right. Like Bones Files. Yeah. And then I made a bunch of jokes about the movie Powder. Right. Starring Sean... Penn? Patrick... Harris? Sandwiches? No. Sean, Sean, Sean Penn. Sa- sandwich pan, Panny. Sean Connery. Connor McLeod. McDonald's. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but it was still pretty cool. And he was talking about how <clears throat> the way the players were reacting were things they were, they were, they seemed to be taking ownership of the things they created in the sense of like, uh, when they died, they would feel like, oh, I just got beaten by my own game. Hmm. Or realizing that, like, if they made everything too easy, that was like, it allows you them to progress really fast, but it's not fun. And okay. so that sort of insight seems like if, if they actually got to, like, give the numbers to the monsters. Yeah. Well, not, not, not actual numbers, but you could, like, there would be, like, text description of, like, numerical ranges. I see. Of, like, how powerful an attack is, that sort of thing. Huh. Um, and that seemed like a, a cool thing. Um, uh, did any of you, did any of you play Line Wobbler? No. I did. I watched a guy play it for about 20 minutes, which led me to wish that there was some sort of festival mode for it that would make you stop playing before 20 minutes. Was he really bad at it? No, he was pretty good at it. But you, it just lets you, it runs a game until you don't touch it for 15 seconds and then it resets because there's so you just an, keep playing forever there's an ending yeah but he, i mean he, yeah so He's line wobbler done. i didn't know anything kevin had kind of described it after gdc because it was on display at alt.control.gdc uh it uses like a doorstop spring as the controller yeah with an accelerometer in it it is a line of leds it's like a it's, it's like a, a 1d game oh, you've right. got i remember you talking yes about yeah, yeah 720 the, leds the leds can light up different colors you're like uh, you're like white and you're moving up and down it there are red things that are enemies and if you wiggle the line back and forth or you wiggle the controller back and forth your guy turns into like a sort of spread of damage dealing yeah, it's a, it's particles a melee attack basically yeah. uh there are things that fade in and out of being dangerous that you have to move through when they're safe. Like lava pools yeah, or lava. stuff. There are various other things that reveal themselves to you as you progress through the game, like things that enemy spawners that when you kill them, they go somewhere else and then you have to go kill them again. Uh, there's like conveyor belts that move one way or another. Yeah, it's it's basically like taking... It, it, it seemed maybe the closest... Uh, Analog in traditional video games is Mega Man. It's kind of like mm. if you tried to make, take the Mega Man archetype and put it into a one-dimensional game. Although I feel like the defining feature of Mega Man is uh, acquiring power-ups from bosses that oh, you beat. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I. That's uh, that's something I never really did much of in Mega Man, which tells you how good I was at Mega Man. You would just play the beginning of every level, right? That was pretty fun, though. It was it was fun enough. You couldn't duck, and it had a kind of a difficult jump. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I talked to the the uh, line wobbler dev who said he was 
hopefully going to go into production soon. Oh, nice. In terms of actually selling these things to people, which would be neat. It's, it would also be neat just to like buy, you know, buy one of those games and then just fiddle with the code, you know, just to right. see what other games you could make in that, in that control and output space. I really like the alternative control games. Yeah, that stuff's really cool. And I really liked, um, but again, didn't play Pixel Prison Blues. Yes. Which was like a 30-player game with teams of 15. 15. Um, and I didn't even like quite get how it worked, but like the, 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 uh, Every player has a little iPod controller. Right. Well, then you have an avatar on screen that you, you that represents you. You move around a space, a maze. Yeah. The the police are trying to put the the prisoners back in jail. The prisoners are trying to run around collecting valuables out of the maze. Mm-hmm. Is this in like a real maze in the real world, or is this? This is on a huge projection screen at okay. night games. This is the follow up game to the folks that made Killer Queen. Right. Oh. Yeah. And this was right across from a game um that uh was similarly a pretty big projection screen but instead of having a bunch of dedicated controllers you just like Flappy Joust you just logged in on your phone and connected it and then uh you played it that way so I assumed that's how Pixel, Pixel Prison Blues worked as well but not at all. In fact it has like 30 iPods yeah, dedicated, connected, connected dedicated to the iPods. device. It was amazing because they were, they had two sets so that like one set could be charging while the other set was being hmm. used. So there was just a table with like seen like hundreds of, of lightning cables uh, right. to charge all these things. Uh, it was a huge line to play it. It was like the most popular game at the festival, basically. Uh, yeah, well, it looked really cool. Those really guys neat. are um, good at making games, yep. it seems. I am really hopeful that we can have uh, Killer Queen at Zapcon this year because there's a there's an outfit locally that owns a cabinet oh, now. Brilliant. Do we know how many Killer Queen cabinets exist? It's in the like dozen-ish range, I think. Huh. Ten, between ten That's and twenty. They had, like found a deal with a manufacturer and they are selling them to like barcades as they go. Like they're really hustling. Like cool. Those, those two guys, Joshua DeBonis and the other guy whose name I don't remember. Nikos. Yes something i forget uh, his last name they're really like they're everywhere like every time we go to a thing they're there and just just selling it yeah and it's so fucking fun like it's always there's always a crowd of people playing it all the time because it's very it's, satisfying. it's so good it's so good and it's so accessible yeah like it, well it's it's really good when there are eight to ten people playing like i saw at ground control a group of three people go up to one of the cabinets put some some money in and try to play it but there was nobody on the opposing cabinet mm. oh yeah so they like they're also thinking that they could stand to make an ai yep yeah that'd be nice that's rough though yeah it's i mean it's not ideal but it's i think that that would probably close the the loop so that it could be played just from one to ten people yeah like having a cabinet in the in the arcade where you can run up put a quarter in by yourself and nothing interesting happens is not acceptable. Right. 
It's, I mean, they were discussing what the model was going to be for it, though, and, like, a lot of, like, it seemed like what they want is for you to go up and you put in $5, and that lets 10 people play. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a dollar or two in the different cities, depending on where it's Oh, yeah? Happening. For a 10-person game? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's I mean, it cute. doesn't last too long. Yeah. Um, it's cute. You get to ride a snail. You get to be little bears putting grapes in a bear hive. Sure. <laughs> And that's why it's called Killer Queen. Mm -hmm. The Queen Bear. (laughs) Oh, man. What else you played, Jim? I saw one other thing at IndieCade, um, which was, I don't know what it was called, but it was a two-player game where one person wears like a proton pack, and to charge up the proton pack, they kind of wave their hands closer and further apart from each other. And then when it's charged, they link hands with the other player who's wearing this spiky power glove type thing. And then the person running the game like tries to figure out why the, the glove won't work and changes the batteries. <laughs> and that, that's the end of the game as far as I can tell. Interesting. It's all very experimental. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it was pretty entertaining to watch. I don't Indicate know how it is, is to play. Indicate is weirdly like sceney. Sure. Yep. And it's I hadn't really ever noticed it until this year. And I mean maybe it's gotten worse. It always was. Over time, but yeah, I mean maybe maybe this year was the year that I felt less like I was a part of the scene uh. or I don't know. It's weird though, because this, it's like for the weird art people of an already weird group of professionals. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it almost makes more sense in the context of like Indicate East, where it's like, ah, this is like New York snobby intellectual things. And it makes less sense in the LA space. Because, like, what you expect that to be is, like, oh, let's fuck around at the beach or whatever. Or you don't expect there to be, like, an art scene with people wearing berets and smoking cigarettes in L.A. You expect it to be, like, you know, yuppie movie stars or whatever, like, celebutants. Yeah, I mean, that's the... That's what you think of when you think of L.A., but L.A. is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess LA has pretentious assholes with berets, too. Oh, definitely. There's all kinds in LA. Yeah. It takes a village to be alienating and intimidating. Indicate village. Yeah, it takes an indicate village. Did you guys go to the Museum of Jurassic Technology? No, I went last not. year. Yeah, I went last year also. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Don't want to say too much about it, but you should go. Yeah, if you like Kentucky Route Zero, it's a lot like Kentucky Route Zero, the building. (laughs) I only played a couple games at Indiecade. I saw a lot of games. I don't have a lot to say about them, but I played one game called Fabulous Beasts, which is going to be on Kickstarter, and apparently you're not going to be able to get a set of it for less than like a hundred bucks, which it seems... Iffy. Pieces. I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of physical pieces. It is. It's so it is a it is a game base. with. It's. It reminded me a lot of uh, the self checkout line at the grocery store, hmm. in that your move 
at any given point in the game is to pick up a wooden animal, just like at the grocery store, <laughs> uh, touch a, a little glyph on the animal to a glyph on this pedestal to like register with the game that's running on an iPad that that's the thing you're putting on there. And then you balance it on top of this platform and it knows how much everything weighs. So it knows that you've put the thing down and then that puts that animal into a scene on the iPad and gives it a certain amount of like fabulousness <laughs> and every move you make every value break every step you take every claim you stake some fabulousness ticks down and you earn it towards your score every time you put another thing on this pedestal it does something to the environment the fabulousness numbers tick down and you get and you get points there's like you put another animal down it puts another animal in the scene you then have these things that are like cross pieces which are like these sort of like oddly shaped platforms that take the last two animals that you've put into the scene on the iPad and hybridize them so it makes a third animal that has you know I don't know some some arithmetic of the fabulousness when the fabulousness runs out completely, the animal goes extinct and stops scoring points for you. So there are other objects that you can put on the stack that are food for different sort of elements of animal. There are air animals and ground animals and water animals. And then fire just feeds everybody. Like fire is just this perfect cleansing light. Like in the grocery store. Yeah. And your goal is to just do these things in the right order to score a lot of points in the game on the iPad, which is admittedly pretty confusing, but you're also just trying to balance a lot of little wooden objects on a thing without them falling over. And when it falls over, like you have like a second to you put to it back wait for assistance or from the... yeah, you have to wait, wait for the cashier every once in a while. You'll put an animal on there that you're not allowed to put on there unless you're 21. So they have to get some like flunky to come check your ID. Um, Every once in a while, you put an animal on that's so light that it doesn't register that it's there. It's like, did you bring your own bags? Yeah. Unexpected item in bagging area. It was fun, though. I liked it, and I wish that I had been playing it. Everything that I played at Indicate, I wish that I had been playing in a quiet room with just people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Because there was always some uh, That's why person. I didn't play any games at Indicate. Yeah. I was just, I'll, I'll talk to people. I basically enjoy that. It's I'll look at games. Really crowded. I'll and talk really to people loud. about their games. I noticed walking through the Sony tent. I I described to Kevin, and this was this was an uncharitable way of putting this, but I kind of feel like Sony's involvement in the indie space has really like ossified a certain segment of it into making basically just pixel art metroidvanias that are coming out on ps4 like so many of the games in that tent looked exactly the same as themselves and as axiom verge and as each other i must like have just my eyes just must have just like glazed right over when i saw those because i don't remember any of them there were so many i saw thumper looked cool I didn't see that one. Oh, Salt and Sanctuary was totally the sort of thing you're talking about. That's like the Dark Souls. That's like the 2D pixel yeah, art Dark yeah. Souls. There was another game. When you said, oh, it's a 2D pixel art Dark Souls, I was like, oh, did you mean Death's Gambit? You're like, <laughs> nope, because that was another 2D pixel art Dark Souls. Uh -huh. Like, 
There was that strange four-player role-playing game. Yeah, I wish that we had played that from the beginning. Like, but yeah, it, the people before us, like us, just wandered off in the middle of that confusing bullshit. Because it was what was it called? Moon warriors, moon hunters, moon, moon hunters. hunters. Yeah, it seems like it was probably good. It like what it looked like was like it's like the Yog, except with some occasional like little. Legend of Zelda segments that you play, yeah. but it was like a lot of just like somebody walked into an NPC, so now you're all going to vote on how to interact with this NPC, and it was how does that yeah. play out if there are four players, right? Like, and if you if you each choose if there are two options and two of you are on one side and two are the on the other, how does that resolve? It picks randomly. That was how like dungeons in Star Wars: The Old Republic worked. Were there like choice points? Yeah, there were all these choice points, and people wow. would vote and. Whoever won the die roll got to be the one that made the decision. This one was just simple majority, and it was fine with three of us playing. Anybody who agreed with the person that made the die roll got some extra light side or dark side points, or whatever, mm. depending on what it was. But so it it rewarded Te- the team. To, yeah, it rewarded like it. unanimity. Hmm. Uh, this didn't seem to have anything like that. Like. I mean, we walked up to it, and it was like, oh, there's a bunch of people at a campsite, and there's all these different things that you can, like, decide to do at the campsite, and they will increase your stats. And that was the thing that very much read, like, the Yogg to me, where it was like, it told a little story about how, oh, well, you tried to go hunting, but you fucked up! And then it tells a story about how bad I am at hunting, and how I didn't gain as many stats as I could have. And then, I didn't... It did not really make itself clear what kind of game it was. Like, I didn't know there if was we were some, really there supposed was to kill stuff. There was an overworld map, or, and there were like, some NPCs and villages, and then monsters, and... Writing, like, optimizing games for showing at a convention is so different from yeah, games that game. you're going to be just playing by yourself. Yep. Which is games. I mean, it... G- Games are games that you're going to be playing by yourself, yeah, uh-huh. like that, and so it's and by self you mean with three of your best friends, maybe with three of your best. Well, friends. that's another thing where that was like, some Crystal like, Chronicles bullshit. Though. No, nobody, like, nobody's going to play. That. Nobody in real life has three, three friends, friends <laughs> in their house. Nobody in real life has three friends that are going to commit to playing like a twenty-hour RPG. Right? Yeah, collectively, certainly, yeah. there is probably a group of four people that are going to just have the best time of their lives with that that is probably true i mean there are certainly four people who are going to be like in their dorm room and play 200 hours of like the new madden game together but like and like as a creator i i can definitely see and i have the desire to optimize for like i want to give this amazing experience to two people and fuck actually supporting myself financially right um you should get into the, the guy, room escape business. The yeah. guy who invented uh, go fish. Uh huh. That just didn't. That did not sell well. Yeah, he didn't do very well. He didn't make out. A bunch of clones. It's very sad. The guy who invented go, he's immortal. It's true. His soul lives on in the binary machinations of every go board. Did you guys see Typo Man? at all yeah that was on i think a wii u you described a portion of gameplay that was kind of interesting to yeah me. so i mean I, my impression of what the game is is that you are a little character a little stick figure character walking around a world that has you're made of letters are you okay yeah i think you i couldn't head see is it from G where and your torso is. is an i and you're you got a bunch of dicks okay that are t's uh, 
but you have uh, you're wandering on an environment that is mostly sort of drawn, but then there are it's like limboy. Yeah, there's like letters that make up words in the environment, um, and sort of the most compelling one that I saw was this on the ground was the word part p a r t. And if you walked up to it, it would start to sort of vibrate. And if you got too close to it, it flipped over and became trap and would kill you. Mm -hmm. Um, And earlier in the scene, you could sort of pull an S out of a sign and uh, take it over and push it right in front of the of the where the the thing was going to close. And if you did that and got the trap to close, it would become strap. And then the strap tied the whole thing down. Um, which was kind of clever. You know, I I thought a little bit about what I said to you when you first described that to me. I said that game is exactly as good as the amount of sort of bespoke yep. authored content that there is for it, and that's it. And I said that as a as a real significant criticism yep. of it. And then I was kind of thinking, like, every book... And every movie and every <laughs> other piece of art that has ever been made that is also 100% yes, true of. But. It is only games that I will, that I will kind of just poo poo if this is, they don't have anything systemic going on in them. This is a very particular kind of content though. Like that, if you want that kind of interaction, like clever little wordplay stuff. Right. You there better hire s- Emily Short to right, and there's only so much of it that's going to feel really good. I think it's it's only translating really a- it to a platformer is tricky. Yeah. It's only really a criticism if the the bespoke content isn't voluminous or good, right? Uh, and so I mean, there- I would love to play a game. I would love to play that game if it took 15 minutes to play and they only use their good ideas. Yeah, but because it's like a Wii U game that they're trying to sell to people, I have a feeling that's not. I I think there is some more systemic stuff that happens later because like I was only watching people play it and they got to a point where there was sort of like a either a hangman style board or some other kind of thing, and so I was like, okay, well, this maybe there are just there's little bits of bespoke content and then some actual sort of standardized. Do do you remember that procedural stuff? Askyvania. Mm-mm. You did play it. I don't remember it though. It was a it was a roguelike. <sighs> Fuck. It just had a bunch of puzzles that were about words. Different tiles were different letters, and you'd spell. Fuck. <sighs> now I don't remember it either. You've in, you've infected me. Sorry. No, that's it. Uh, we definitely played it, and we definitely talked about it on the podcast. It's okay. in the games list somewhere. But this this reminded me of that a lot. Like it's it's just a game that's sort of got these little like environmental wordplay things in them. It who was the guy who did the show notes for us last week? Oh, I think F F posted it. Yeah, he's the one who wants us when to you do, do the show notes for this show. Can you find <laughs> out what the name of this game is yeah. and what podcast we talked about it in? I'm pretty sure it's Askyvania. Also, thanks. That was great. I <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it. Yeah, I I had to edit that like the. Real fast the morning before we drove to Indicade, and so I didn't. I had to edit it without listening to it, and so. Oh, I see. Um, sorry if there's any garbagey bullshit in it, and also there's no games list still. I should probably get to that. It's it's weird when you update that ex post facto because everyone who's downloaded it doesn't actually ever see that information. Yeah, but it's in the database. The you archive. can see it in the list of old episodes. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there was an NYU sort of tent uh that 
had a couple of games from their sort of game center collaboration. And it was their presentation was actually really neat. They had the game projected on a big screen on one side, and then on a table on the other side of the tent was like a, a version one of the game and a version two of the game. So you got to see how the game had progressed through time. Oh, was this infinite? Well, so the Circa Infinity was the game Infinity, that, yeah. that both of us played a fair bit of, and I, I played the version two, uh, quite a bit of the version yeah, two. Yeah, I played it. version one and then version three, and yeah. you played version two. And it was really neat. And it was like you could see how they like found some ideas that worked really well and sort of do, you know dove down into those. Um, and then we also played a little bit of Bad Blood, which is like a hide-and-seek we didn't actually talk about Circa Infinity. Circa Infinity is a game that's like it's set a real inside concentric circles. Yeah, where you're, you're on the out. You start out on the outside of a circle, and you There's can one transition at certain points onto the yeah. inside of the circle. And you're and you hop up to the outside of the in- next interior circle. I really wish it were gyrus controls, but it's not. It's just left is is clockwise, clockwise and, and right is counterclockwise. Yeah. Uh, and there's very, very simple, very predictable enemies inside. Yep. And your your goal is to get inside a circle, and there's a little circle orbiting in the middle, and you have to jump to get to that. And that's it. Yep. And then you're, uh, starting the, then you're on the outside of like that a, one. Then you're on the outside of that circle, and then it zooms in, and you have to get to the inside of it, and then jump to the end to the to touch the next one. Like it's and it just gets it's more really, and more really, really simple, complicated, but it's with enemies and stuff. My feeling about that game is that it is only hard because the controls are bad. No, I feel like it is. It becomes a genuinely interesting sort of timing and reflexes puzzle. Um, well, it is only as hard as it is because the controls are bad. The, they the have chosen a bad way. Of the controls mapping are not movement. bad. The mm. controls just require a little bit of mapping your brain to them at the beginning. The controls require an impossible amount of impossible action <laughs> that is impossible. <laughs> and then, uh, so out of that same program uh, is a game called Bad Blood, which is a split screen. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember seeing that at XOXO. At XOXO, yeah. It's a split screen, yeah, one, 1v1 sort of hide-and-seek game where the two sides of the screen are on the same field but at different rotations, and you don't necessarily know which rotations they are. Hmm. Um, and so you're wandering through this like tall grass trying to find your opponent and then get into the same square as them and kill them in a really bloody and violent way. Um, it's, it's pretty neat actually. Uh, my controller wasn't working so I could never actually. Oh, so that's your excuse. Kill anyone. And then eventually I just couldn't move or input anything at all. Um, and so that made it very easy for me to be. (laughs) hunted down but uh yeah i uh i liked both of those quite a bit and seeing that one really like changed and got a lot of polish as it as it went on but the nyu program is really neat um it's cool that they traveled all the way out to la to demo some games did i forget to talk about the church of robotron after Uh, we got back from xoxo i think you probably did i don't know do you remember hearing I about this? I don't remember you talking about it. it I don't pretty, remember this. Pretty cool. It was this installation at a museum that we went to during XOXO that was actually really cool, and I forgot about it. Yeah, pretty cool. It, you can play... It's basically you have to play Robotron on an emulator that they have, but you have to kneel at this altar and put <laughs> on this helmet that 
vibrates and plays a lot of really terrible noises into your ears and is really like Robotron is all is already like the most sort of noisy and chaotic game and so much of the difficulty of Robotron is just owed to the visual noise that the game produces while you're trying to figure out what's going on and this there's like smoke machines yeah. and all these <laughs> like klaxons and flashing lights and candles and, 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 and yeah, just yeah. a bunch of it was lit pretty candles annoying being all over the place. Even if you skin. weren't playing the game, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like unpleasant to be in the room. And then you also had to play Robotron, and so like I th- I think that my experience of that as somebody who is like kind of good at Robotron was a little bit different. Like I did it. I got it like onto the leaderboard or whatever there. Or and they you were would like, have if the game hadn't crashed. Yeah. Well, I, I would have, been, I would have been slightly better at the end. The control, like, like I had a couple guys left and the controllers just quit working. Uh, Cause it was kind of a janky setup to have this computer with a couple of joysticks and this weird altar thing. But I don't know. It was neat. If you guys ever get a chance to see the Church Check of Robotron Church of in a Robotron. museum anywhere, you should try it because it is a real bad environment to try to play Robotron in. <laughs> it's high praise. Did you play anything else at Indiecade or see anything that you liked? I played, in addition to Fabulous Beasts, I played a game called Codex Bash. Oh, yeah. Which is really interesting, albeit really simple. It's like four giant buttons. There are four buttons, each of which has a, a color. It's like red, blue, yellow, green. They're, they're far enough apart that one person can't press two of them at the same time. And there's a screen that tells you what button. You start a game, you have a certain amount of time on the timer, and it tells you what buttons to push. So it's like, all right, press yellow, press red, press green, press blue. And then you earn some more time, and then it moves on to the next level where it starts to obfuscate what button you're supposed to push more and more over time. So it's like now uh, press a, and then there's a thing on the screen below. That's like a equals yellow. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it starts to like, now there's a binder on the table here. Look up this and then hit the thing that this indicates. There's a keyboard on the table here and you have to press each key at a time to like reveal the information about which symbol corresponds to which button. Here is now look at this circuit diagram and go from this lettered node and figure out at that node which color is connected to power in this circuit diagram. And the circuit diagrams are like taped to various surfaces. And you have to be coordinating with people because one person just can't do it. Like it gets to the point where you have to start hitting multiple buttons at the same time in sequence. And again, it would have been so much more fun to play in an environment where you could hear each other. Oh, yeah. Than it was in like the crazy loud thing. But we made a lot of progress and like it was just me and three strangers. There was, which to, was fun. To sort of step back for a second, there was a point in our room escape where we were trying to convey information from one side of the room to the other. And, and they were like clearly paying attention to when that was happening. Yeah, and so when when we were trying to do that, they had uh, they had the sound effect of of barking dogs. They just played at at super high volume, just over and <laughs> just over. Just to interfere over with our ability to talk to each it other. It was incredible. It was so good. Yeah, it was really really funny. It sounds like one of the most elaborately produced room escapes. It was, there was a high it was pretty elaborately produced. Not you know, I've seen better, but it's. Yeah. But this was definitely more more on the theatrical side than on the like Japanese do a bunch of crossword puzzles in a room. Yeah, 
was very there were there were a bunch of really clever things about it uh, but yeah so i mean so playing playing these games in this sort of inhospitable and inhospitable environment was non-ideal but the thing is, I don't know where else you're going to play something like Codex yeah. Bash. I'm not going to buy that. Nope. It's like fun once, you know? But it would be fun once with some friends in a side room of a party where that's all you were doing, right? But it's not like as repeatable an experience as like, say, a rock band or whatever, sure. where you would actually buy hardware for it. You know, yeah. it's like it's like the problem with like something that is like really well designed, like... Johann Sebastian Joust or Edgar Rice Soiree or whatever, right? Where it's like, well, fuck, the only way to give people this experience is for somebody to, at sort of great personal time and convenience expense, curate it at some artsy-ass video games festival. How how do bouncy castles work? (laughs) Are there, like, companies that rent them? Yeah. That seems very analogous. Well, except that, except if it would be real easy to fuck up the bouncy castle by just trying to use it. <laughs> right. Right. Which it's not. I mean, I... bouncy castles, you, you just push a button and it inflates and it stays inflated as long as you apply power yeah. to it. And then, well, it'd, it'd be like a bouncy castle, but you had to also book the party clown who's going to be there the whole time. Right. Okay. Yeah. So castle plus clown equals video game. Yes. I think that's, yes. yeah. That's In base 36. Completely uni- yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, the assignment. Did you, did you go, Kevin? I did. I talked okay. about some games that, that I played. Sorry. It's okay. We do a different order every time, and that's I never fine. remember who's, who's gone and who's not. Yeah, does anybody have anything else to say about the assignment? I, and also, we didn't choose another assignment. Um, not really. I, aggravating. I, I did play some more of it. I went back and, having realized that I messed up my character's stats pretty badly, I went back and started over with a new party. Uh, and uh, this time I got some radiation gear in and did high water first instead of uh, ag town so that so that the complete restarting was not completely wasted time. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. I like it. I think it's a real bummer how poorly balanced the, the stats are from each other, because considering how important your skills are and how low the numbers are and how they continue to increase in cost, having an, it seems like having an intelligence of eight which nearly doubles the number of skill points you get every level is yeah. pretty much vital, if not 10, which gets you an extra one. Yeah, whereas, that's the case in Fallout, the Fallout series as well. Where, well, is it, though? Yeah, I feel like yeah, at least in Fallout, like it, skills are associated with particular stats, right? Like, right, and also although, they go up to I guess 100, no skill so points a single skill are... point doesn't mean as much. There was never a time so in Fallout where is... playing for 20 hours, I didn't feel like I could max out every skill that I was interested in. Yeah, yeah fair is, enough. Is part of it. But yeah, you're right that it's, it does seem like. It, I would say that like it's just as, o- intelligence is just as overpowered. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter as much because the game is easier. Well then, and, and then on the, the other side of the coin, charisma, as far as I can tell, only affects the area of effect radius of one skill 
and whether or not you're going to be able to recruit three NPCs in the entire game. Yeah. It's completely useless. So you've got, like, one of your stats that you wish could be zero, and the other one that you don't want to be less than eight. It's just, it's Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. That's dumb, but, Zach, you and I were talking over dinner about how Every, like the the one of the first things you do in any Fallout game is max out the skills that allow access to it to more content, i.e. the lockpick stuff, right? Yeah, lockpicks and, and speech, and-, and so having charisma high enough to recruit those three NPCs is kind of analogous to that. I mean, the, the trouble I think is that what they're trying to do is say like, well, smart people are better at stuff. Cause that's like the nerd fantasy about how the world works. Right. Uh-huh, and so every yeah. game developer really wants it to be a world where, well, it doesn't matter how strong or, or, or dexterous I am. Right, What's important right. is that I'm smart that's- and that can make me good at everything. I bet I could figure out how to shoot a machine gun at a guy. Yeah, yeah. I bet I could figure out how to break into a safe. <laughs> like, I, and I, so I'm smart enough that I'll be able to put two more, pa- two more points into my bludgeoning weapon skill. <laughs> right. Play. Well, but I mean, that's the thing. Like the damage of that thing is determined by the strength, but like these other things, like how well do you know how to hit a guy in the right place with the bludgeoning weapon? That's probably something that being smart would make you do that. Neurologists do talk about bludgeoning intelligence as a subset (laughs) of intelligence. Yeah, it's one of the ways in which somebody can be smart. Yeah. But what they don't, what I think falls out of this is that it's not fun to role play as a character who has fewer options to do things and is worse at them. Well, and right. also that the these problems or circumstances surrounding these stats are not clearly communicated well enough, I feel. Like if I had not if I had realized this the first time I started playing, then I would not be as upset as I am having discovered it later and is like, well, my party is completely fucked up on that. To play, to to play devil's advocate for them though, were you fucked or did you just feel like a, a sense of loss for having not optimized it in the first place? I mean, I went it, I played the whole thing the first time through, like, Having made a lot of just really random decisions about stat, like I went with starting character, like pre-made characters and didn't alter any of their stats. I played the whole game, finished it, really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I had people who like over the course of the game where I learned which things were important to me and which things weren't like, I sure wish I hadn't wasted all these skill points on this guy and a thing that (laughs) I didn't end up using with him because I found an NPC companion later that was already way better at it than I was, but it was fine. I mean, it, it taken as a taken as a big simulation, like it didn't need to be a power fantasy that worked out perfectly to my advantage, right? Mm, because fair. I was able to beat it and do stuff in the world. But you didn't enjoy it optimally, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Well I don't need to enjoy it optimally. You were complaining on the way back from dinner about the way that the the way that skill like lock picking skill yeah. check things work. Yeah. One like, of the first mods in the workshop was make skill checks instant instead of uh, you having to like watch that little icon yep. get filled out. <laughs> that I, so I would appreciate that. I would appreciate picking a lock, having it just deterministically 
choose an outcome other than than sort of simple failure as it stands you have like a let's say you have a 75 percent chance of picking this lock and a five percent chance of critical failure yeah what'll happen a lot of time is you'll go to pick the lock well what'll happen a quarter of the time is you'll go to pick the lock and then it will run a little timer up and then just say nope didn't work yeah and then you just have to try again and sometimes you do that 10 times and like that is just boring and you don't get a critical failure which means that you just reload from the quick save that you did right before you open the lock no the the critical failure is great because then you get to bring in your mechanical guy and he gets some experience while he fixes the lock and then you get to try picking it again (laughs) oh right so to play optimally you need to you need to keep reloading until you critically fail and then Mm -hmm. so then can you critically fail again or does second critical Ah. failure ruins the lock it can never be picked again Ah, okay it should also generate the contents of containers when the level is built and not when the lock is opened. Oh, is that what happens? Yep. You oh, can, so you, uh, you can, another you reason can, to keep reloading. You can, yep, you can keep reloading that box until you get what you want. That's balls. Yeah. Man, I'm glad I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm. I'm Here's I'm, the thing: I'm is that sad? I'm a little sad that I discovered that. <laughs> is that true in Fallout Three? Uh, I don't know because I never tried it. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm almost certain that stuff is all authored. Uh, no. I think there are because some that are. There's things like there's perks that make it so you're more likely to find ammo yeah, in containers. True. I think yeah. there, right. So I'm, I think I'm there almost are, sure yeah, that there are bespoke like, containers and garbage yeah. containers, and the garbage containers are random based on the type of container. Yeah, but I, I just I wonder if they're. You know what you could do is you could just have a seed for the world, mm, right? Yeah. And then it's always deterministic for you. Yep. They tell you whether the containers are empty before you open them, so there's that. Yeah. Right. I think certain kinds of containers are never empty, mm. but maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, it tells you that they're empty after you've emptied them, too. But I think sometimes you find something and it just says it's empty. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a row of lockers. Right. Uh, now I want to know. Now I want to play Fallout 3 long enough to just like go into a thing, quick save, open a container, quick load, open the container again, mm-hmm. and see at what point it decides what the contents you're, of the container are. You're just looking for an excuse to play more Fallout 3. <laughs> I am. Gotta gotta get that... Uh, gotta key. get my fix. Yeah, gotta get your fix while you wait for the... Yeah, yeah. The sequel. If you play it enough, you'll get sick of it, and you won't want to play the sequel. I don't have any affinity for Boston to speak of. That's not true. You like Boston. I don't know any of the landmarks except for Paul Revere's house and that bar that's Cheers and the place where Benjamin Franklin's parents are buried. And MIT. MIT. I don't. I'm not that familiar with. And MIT, there's the. I feel like there's the. Uh, is the miracle Christian of science Sci- Christian Science Mother Church? Do you think the miracle of science is in Fallout Four? Maybe. Do you, Do you think, think that Pasta Pasta River Gods? Will be in? <laughs> Yeah, do you think Basta Pasta will be in it? Do you think Brambleberry will be in it? And the Whole Foods near Brambleberry? Uh, I'm still just imagining that the Cheers bar is in there. Mm. And all the skeletons of the people sitting in it. Oh, that would be so good. There's the... (laughs) I am. They they must have done that, right? They must have. There must be like a mailman skeleton sitting (laughs) next to a fat guy skeleton. (laughs) Oh! Man, please. Oh, God, yes. That's got to be there, right? Boston Common. There's all kinds of things that you... I don't know what that Boston is. Boston Market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the Kenny Rogers Roasters. <laughs> there's a... So, our assignment is Fallout 4? I don't know what our assignment is. 
Yes, man. What, uh, what do you guys think about Downwell? Okay, okay. sure. I, so what I think is that Downwell is a shitty probability zero. Have you, have you, what if we play wanna... both probability zero and Downwell? Did we already do probability zero? I don't remember if we as did an assignment. assignment. We should, we should definitely be, you should be aware of it when playing Downwell. Okay. Uh, I'm curious also about the difference between playing Downwell on mobile device versus PC. I was surprised when you told me that it existed on mobile devices. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I mean, I think it was designed was with that devices? in mind. It's phones. Right? It's only, and it's only on iPhone. It's phones, right? It's like phone. I don't know. You can mobile you device. Play what are you iPad? like? A, play it on an iPad. Are you like a, like a PR guy for. You have to say iOS because it's not on Android, but it's on both iPhone and iPad. Okay. Yeah, I guess I buy into that. <laughs> Anyway, mobile, mobile uh, it, is, it is on multiple different platforms, than, and I've, I have Your heard laptop is pretty mobile. totally different. It's pretty mobile. I mean, I could I carry my computer back and forth between San Francisco and Phoenix all the time. It's pretty mobile when it's in a car, and, and it will play on that device. So down well, uh, and we can talk about the differences between desktop and iOS. Okay, and and probability zero, probability zero in iOS. I don't think probability zero exists on iOS. But we can talk about the differences between probability zero and, and iOS. iOS. Okay. <laughs> iOS is an operating system. Uh-huh. Probability zero is a video game. Both of them have O's. It's true. They, they are both software. They both have I's. Yep. They're both made entirely by Alexander Guys, this, Martin. We're, we're spoiling the assignment for next that's week. That's true. That's true. We got we to save it for next week. Gentlemen. I have had a phenomenal time recording episode number 25 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we record episode number 27 very, very soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, keep your leg on the blender and keep sticking your tongue out at the washing machine. Yep, sounds good. Have a great week, everybody. I'm not sure offhand that I have anything that would make a better fart noise than just the classic hand in the armpit.